Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Today, we have a truly inspiring story to share with you. Joining us in studio is Chris Manson, the Vice President of Government Relations at OSF Healthcare and the founder of U.S. Ambulances for Ukraine. But that's not all. He's accompanied by his remarkable eight-year-old daughter, Lily Manson. Together, they've been making a significant impact in the world through acts of compassion and humanitarian efforts. Chris Manson recently received recognition from Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, for his outstanding work in providing aid to the people of Ukraine following the invasion by Russia. In our conversation today, we'll delve into their journey, the challenges they faced, and the hope they're spreading through their actions. Chris and Lily, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. Yes, of course. The pleasure is all ours. Chris, can you share with our listeners the the moment that sparked your initiative, U.S. Ambulances for Ukraine, and how it all began? Yeah. So it would have been, it would have been early, well, late February, early March, watching the news like many people, seeing the uh, full-scale invasion kind of unfold before our eyes on TV. And my daughter and I are watching the news together. And, you know, I would always turn the TV so she wouldn't see some of the, the more horrific things. But she saw enough of what was happening in Ukraine with Russia invading that it could, you could tell it was bothering her. And at one point we started, you know, we'd sit down for dinner and say the blessing. And before or after we'd say the blessing, Lily just on her own said, hey, can we, can we say a prayer for the people of Ukraine? Just out of the clear blue. Like, oh, okay, that's great. Yeah, good. Let's do that. So we did that for a couple of days. And then a little bit later, a few days later, you could tell she was still kind of bothered by something. And so I sat down and was talking to her. I'm like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, dad, you know, I'm seeing the kids on U- in Ukraine. I'm seeing them, you know, the dads are having to stay. The moms and the, and the, and the children are, are going someplace else. Is there something we can do to help them? And I, it just kind of, kind of hit me that she was worried about it or, you know, I mean, Everyone was worried about it and watching, but it was just, it really stuck with her and it was really bothering her. And so, you know, it, it was more than just like, oh, hey, okay, that's horrible and moving on to play or do something else. She wanted to do something. So that's the question that got me thinking. And then shortly thereafter, I, I, I think I saw on the news a bus station or a train station that was hit by the Russians and there was a lot of wounded people. And they didn't have any ambulances. And so they were throwing wounded people onto the back of like kind of like a FedEx or a DHL cargo van. You know, there's no floor, there's no, or, you know, there's no cots or gurneys, just throwing people onto the bare metal floor of this van and the van's driving off. I think it had like a, literally had like a hand painted red cross on the side of this yellow van. And that was the moment that I said, you know what? I bet, I bet they need ambulances or, you know, they obviously they need ambulances. I wonder if I can find one. I wonder if I can find an ambulance. I wonder if I can get some supplies and, and, and get it stocked up. And if I can do that, I'm sure I can get it over there. And that's kind of how things started. Wow. And so much more. I'm sure complicated details came after that in actually getting ambulances overseas to Ukraine, who's amidst a war. We'll talk about that. Lily, you've been a big part of this incredible journey. What has been the most exciting part for you, would you say? I would say it would be just the action that it made. Like one ambulance, one ambulance turned to two ambulances and three ambulances. And it's just that we're really making a difference. And I feel like 
it really makes me happy. Mm -hmm. What did it make you feel like when you saw on TV all those sad people, you know, who had been affected by the invasion, who needed help? Well, it made me feel sad because it's like I just, I really wanted to do something to help. And I was like in a totally different country and I thought I couldn't do anything. And it just made me feel really sad. So what do you remember, if you can remember, what did you say to your dad, maybe hoping that it would push him to do something like, you know, what he's wound up doing? What did what did you say to your dad after you saw that stuff on TV? Well, I said, hey, dad, I wish we could do something to help. <laughs> there we go. That's it. I mean, yeah. you, I mean, it's just really basic. I mean, there's just some things that are so simple, right? And, and, and the, the thing that I've learned since doing this, there's, you know, her asking that question has turned into me asking people for help, right, all along the way to get all of these vehicles over there. And the thing that I've found is how happy people are when they're asked to help. I mean, it's like there's this frustration that, you know, there's something happening far away you know, you can see it as good versus evil, and it's just, you can see the suffering. And yeah, you might write a check to someone, or you might, you know, give some money to a, to a group or something. But when we're talking about getting an ambulance or a fire engine and having supplies in it, and at, when, I, when I ask someone, can you give me a fire engine, or can you help us with this, or can you give us the supplies, it just, it, it creates a spark. That person then you know, talks to their coworkers or talks to the entity that they work for. And next thing you know, an entire community is signing the side of a fire engine. And, you know, and everyone's excited. And there's a, what was it? There was a parade. They had a Chillicothe fire department gave us a fire engine and they had a homecoming parade and they put the engine in the, in the parade and you had an American flag and a Ukrainian flag. And at the end, when it was over, Lily actually got to ride in it. And when, when it was over, people were coming up and signing it. And I mean, you could just, you get to see their reaction. And it's just, it's an amazing, it's been amazing, that's been an amazing thing. As we mentioned in the introduction, you are the Vice President of Government Relations at OSF Healthcare, a Catholic organization. How has your faith played a role in guiding your actions and decisions throughout the whole journey? And that can even be a question for the both of you, but I'll well, start I'll with you, Chris. Well, I mean, I'll tell you two things. One, working for OSF, and having the opportunity to work for sisters, I finally came to this conclusion to, to kind of send an ambulance. I was actually traveling for work in Washington, D.C. And when I landed on this idea, one of the first phone calls I made was to my boss, who's a sister. And I called her up and I said, hey, I wanted to talk to you about this. I have this calling to, to do something to help. And I explained what Lily had asked me to do. And I, I told my, my boss, Sister Michaela, hey, you know, I might have to, I'm probably going to take some time off to go overseas. And this is, you know, all this stuff might happen. And I'd like OSF to donate some supplies. If you think that would be possible. And what do you think OSF would be okay with me doing this? And sister simply said, you know, something to the effect of, okay, you're, you're asking, you're telling a sister, you're feeling a calling to do something. Okay. We get that. Yeah. You're, you're probably going to be okay. And so from, from that, that conversation, I, I knew I had OSF behind me and supportive. So uh, that's been an amazing thing just uh, from an, from who I'm lucky enough to work for, right? But from a, from my own personal or own family's kind of Catholic perspective, the other thing that's been great has been 
I, I mean, I'm, I've always considered myself to be a practicing Catholic, believe in God and everything, and, and go to church. But the thing that this has, this whole effort has helped me with is I really have gotten closer to God. You know, in the past, you, I might say, well, yeah, I believe in God, but, you know, there's always those moments where you try to figure out, like, well, okay, how how is there a God? And, you know, you try to, like, those moments of creation, like, just all the stuff that you just kind of, okay, well, how does that work and everything? You have those internal conversations with yourself about your faith. After the past two years and the different things that have happened to me, when I've prayed, when I haven't prayed, when I thought I was going down the wrong path and then it turned out to be the right path, I'm now— I'm now the opinion that you you tend to to question or to to not believe. You've really got to not be looking because really the signs are all there. If you just open your eyes and look, God's everywhere, and you can see Him in really everything that we do. And and that's what this has helped me understand better. I mean, I've worked in Catholic healthcare for seventeen years, eighteen years now, but I this this experience is just kind of helped further form me in my beliefs, you know, as a Catholic. Mm -hmm. I would love for you to tell the listeners the story that you briefly mentioned to us before the show began about you were struggling to look for one of the many ambulances that you sent over, and you said some prayers to a specific person. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So this particular instance, and there's actually been a, a few very specific cases like this, but in this instance, I was looking for my sixth ambulance. I was about to head to Ukraine for the f- first time, or second time, actually. The second time, I had one ambulance. So this would be number, I had number six. I was looking for number seven, and I wanted I wanted two ambulances. And I was definitely praying. The first trip when I went to Ukraine, I brought a prayer card from Fulton Sheen, and I had this little, like, kind of, military prayer book. I used to be in the Marines long, long ago, and there's, I had this little military prayer book where it was like, it was different prayers and it was put together, or it was like kind of from Fulton Sheen, this, this little Fulton Sheen military war, war book. So I'd pray to him. And so finally, after a lot of praying and consternation and worrying that I wasn't going to get an ambulance, my seventh ambulance, I get a call. We find this ambulance in El Paso, Illinois. And I had no idea that Fulton Sheen was from El Paso. I just knew he was from the area and so sure enough, I get this ambulance. I get it in time for our second shipment, this beautiful blue and white ambulance. And so when it, we got it over to Ukraine, we got it over to Poland and then we got, we, I drove it into Ukraine. It was the first, it was the first time I actually drove in a vehicle and it, it was the second, my second trip. The first time I, the first convoy where I drove an ambulance in. And I had a prayer card, and I kept them on my dashboard the whole way. And so I, I always told everyone that Reverend, or the uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen was riding shotgun for me, you know, as we went into Ukraine. And that ambulance went all the way into Dnepro, which is in the Far East and is definitely in a hostile part of the world. And, I mean, it, it's just a, a really good experience all the way around. Very incredible. The odds of you stumbling upon the ambulance that you needed in that very small town of El Paso, Illinois, makes me think that the prayers of Fulton Sheen himself might have had something to do with that. Lily, I want to ask you, we talked about how your dad's faith has evolved and strengthened throughout this whole journey. What does it make you feel like to have witnessed your dad grow in his faith? How does it make you feel? Well, it definitely makes me feel happy, and I feel like that I have definitely grown in my faith, too. Really? Tell yeah. me more about that. How have you grown in your faith? 
Well, I feel like just felt closer to God. Just felt closer to God. Felt more like praying, just all the above. And what of your prayers, if you don't mind me asking, what what might they kind of sound like? What are you asking God for help with? What are you asking? How do your prayers sound? My prayers sound basically for the people of Ukraine, just for my family, just really for everything. Sometimes it's kind of tough because I'll get updates on the vehicles. Like uh, there's another fire engine that we that we were able to get from Sterling, Illinois, and and I'll get pictures and videos of the ambulances or the fire engines sometimes. And, you know, one particular instance in Odessa where this fire engine is, and in fact, just I think it was around January 1st, New Year's, they got hit with a lot of ballistic missiles and drone strikes. And that Sterling fire engine was the first fire engine on scene of all these missile strikes. So, and because of the time difference, I get these, I get these messages at weird, weird times, but, but it's one of those things where we'll sit down to dinner or a meal and all of a sudden my phone will buzz or something and I'll have a picture. And in this particular instance, one of the pictures was looking out through a completely bombed out apartment building where a few people had been killed, unfortunately. And there's the Sterling fire engine that was first on scene. So then our prayers become, and again, it's, it's sort of, you know, morbid or you don't want to share too much with your daughter, but it's like, Hey, let's take a moment and pray for, you know, the family that lost their lives you know, a few hours ago or, you know, eight hours ago or something or whatever. So, you know, so as she says, you know, we'll pray for the people of Ukraine or the, or the, or the children or the people that receive our vehicles, you know, and, and again, different events might dictate kind of just something that's very specific at a moment. Right. And on a, a lighter note than that, that is intense, that is tough to deal with. And as you said, even tough to explain to your, your daughter, I want to ask you about the recognition you received from President Zelensky and what that felt like. But first, we have to cut cut to a quick commercial break. We'll be right back in just one second after a few words from our beloved sponsors. If you have some extra time, put those hours to use for the Lord. With Catholic Spirit Radio's growing radio network, we have three new behind-the-scenes volunteer positions. If you're interested, call the station. 309-807-2427. Volunteers are specifically needed for each of these roles. First, an energetic and experienced event manager is needed to coordinate our spring and fall on-air fundraisers. Give us a call if that's you. Second, Catholic Spirit Radio needs one to two hours every two or three weeks from a volunteer or a team of two for lightweight general cleaning at our normal location. Give us a call if you and a friend are interested. And third, we are in need of one to two spirit liaisons from each of these areas. Areas, Rockford, Harvard, Morris, DeKalb, Sycamore, Lincoln, Pontiac, and Clinton. These individuals will assist with informational tables at your local events. Give us a call if you can help out. Become part of our radio mission in 2024. Volunteer at Catholic Spirit Radio. 309-807-2427. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you're inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. Three Kings Gifts has sacramental and seasonal gifts, religious medals, rosaries, and more on the College Avenue Epiphany Church campus in Normal. Three Kings Gifts is open 10 to 3.30 on Thursday and Friday, 8 to 1 on Sunday. Profits help charitable organizations. 
Hi, this is John Hall, president of Catholic Spirit Radio. Do you enjoy our programming? Well, we need your support to keep the programming at Catholic Spirit Radio on the air. If you already give, thank you. We appreciate your help. If you haven't given, we need your help now. To donate, go online at catholicspiritradio.com. That's catholicspiritradio.com. Or mail your donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Or stop by 108 Boykins Place. God bless you and thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm speaking with Chris Manson, the Vice President of Government Relations at OSF Healthcare and the founder of U.S. Ambulances for Ukraine, and his eight-year-old daughter, Lily Manson, who had an integral role in all of this. Chris, I want to ask you about a really prestigious award that you recently received. You were recognized by President Zelensky and received, and the name escapes me, of the award. I am so sorry I didn't have that in my notes, but you received a prestigious award. Maybe you can tell us what that award was named and also how it felt to receive that award and in those acknowledgments for your efforts. Yeah, it was the, it's the cross, it's a medal. It was the cross of Ivan Mazipa who's very important to the Ukra- Ukrainians and, and their history. But the the uh, oh, the medal was presented at the National Archives in Washington, D.C. And the thing that was probably, I mean, it was definitely nice and it was exciting. And, to, you know, you get to shake, the hands with, shake hands with, you know, a world leader. That was really cool and everything. But I, I think it was a broader kind of, it was great because it was a broader recognition of a lot of people that have, it re- it recognized a lot of the work that a lot of people have done to get to that point. I mean, I'm not sending ambulances or fire engines over to Ukraine. Lily's not sending ambulances or fire engines over to Ukraine. There's a lot of people, there's fire departments, there's private ambulance providers. I mean, there's the, the volunteers that decide to go with me into Ukraine. There's the, you know, the volunteers and the, the, that are helping with the shipping and everything. So it was, that was nice. Um, and that's how I looked at it. it was, you know, kind of recognition for, for everybody involved. I will tell you, <clears throat> there was another another medal that I received, I think back in January of 23, and I received that from an, a governor in Ukraine, a place called Rivno, which is like one of their states. And um, it was it was crazy because I had, to, we were in a bunker because there was an air raid going on while uh, we were going to have this meeting with the governor's, in the governor's office and everything, but we had to go down to the bunker. So we're, you know, so many stories down, we're in this bunker while the air raid sirens are going off. And the medal that he gave me, and, and I don't know what the name of the medal is, but it was a medal from the military for helping them with by getting them ambulances. But the medal had Mary on it. And so it's the it's the coolest medal. I mean, so meeting the president was was amazing. Getting the cross of Ivan Mazipa, amazing. But this first medal that I have, it's it's and and again, I don't know what the name of it is, but it's Mary, and there's a couple cross swords, and basically it's and basically the upshot is the medal is about, you know, kind of Mary being the protector of. And so, uh, you know, and in this instance, the military and people fighting against evil. And so I was given that that medal. And that one is probably, I mean, that's a, it was just a really cool thing to to, to get a medal. And I wasn't, wasn't expecting it. And then I looked at it, I'm like, oh, I, it's Mary. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's the Virgin Mary. That's <laughs> kind of cool. And so that was just like a really... This is a really cool thing. That's that's really amazing. And part of that story, we kind of just glossed over it, 
there was an air raid going on while you were in Ukraine and you had to go stories down into the ground in a bunker. What is that experience like to be in a war-torn country and just go in there from the comfort of the United States in your own home with your own family to willingly go over into Ukraine and really, it sounds like, risk your life? Was that stressful for you? Yeah, I mean, so I... I when I, when I made the first, when I made the decision to go over the first time and every time thereafter, I mean, I recognize what is, what's at risk or what the possibilities are. And, you know, the, the, the threat changes when I went over the first time um, in April of 22, the Ukrainians had pretty much repulsed the Russians from kind of that whole Kiev and kind of a lot of the areas and the, and the, and the battle lines had really, firmed up and it was more east so you know you'd say oh they're you know eight hours away kind of thing and they weren't sending you know bombers over cruise missiles or drones whatever and that was in april and then i went back in july and it's kind of the same thing when we drove the first ambulance and the first two ambulances and pretty much you knew where the enemy was or you knew where the russians were and there wasn't really a lot of threats from drones or, or ballistic missiles or cruise missiles but you knew you knew it was always a possibility but there wasn't really that much October of 22, we're bringing seven ambulances in, but we're all set. We're in this parking lot, this customs location, and we're making sure the vehicles are all ready. We're getting everything all prepped. And my phone starts to go crazy. And it was at that point that the my contacts in, in Ukraine, Ministry of Health, Ministry of Defense, and others are saying, hey, Russia has unleashed this new wave of attacks. They're using drones. They're using cruise missiles. They're attacking everywhere. You know, we don't think you should come in. It's not safe. And so we, we, we huddled up as a group. And again, we're not cowboys. We're not anything crazy. So we assessed things. We said, okay, we think we can go in. That mission, every mission that I've gone on, we, we name them after a saint. That mission was St. Michael the Archangel. Mm-hmm. Um, because St. Michael the Archangel is the patron saint of, of ambulances. Literally the physical ambulances. He's the patron saint of ambulances. So... That's what we named the mission. I had on my the, on my phone that I take over there, I had his prayer card on the back. And as we're at the border, it's now midnight. We're in, at the Polish-Ukrainian border. I, I had someone with me. I said, hey, if you don't mind, I'm going to read this, you know, this prayer to St. Michael. I read the prayer. We start rolling in. It's probably 1 o'clock in the morning, and it's everything's pitch black. We're about 20, 30 minutes in. And what do I see lit up like as bright as day? And and I don't remember if it was a statue or if it was on the uh, the wall of a church, but there was Saint Michael the Archangel, lit up like crazy. I mean, just gorgeous, and you know, red. I mean, just a, a beautiful image. And I and I looked over my coat, my the person riding shotgun with me. I'm like, oh, that's got to be a good sign, right? And so we go in and we did this mission, and everywhere we went, missiles f- or drones hit the day before or the day after. But we went ten days. Not a single air raid anywhere we were at. We missed them every single time. We come out. I couldn't find that. We came out the same way we came in. I couldn't find that image of St. Michael. I've been there. That was in October. I've been in there. I've been there January, May, August, all the same routes in, all the same routes out. I look for that image every single time. I even found the statue and I haven't found a, a painting on the side of a wall. So I, and I mentioned, I, I, I kind of dig, you know, kind of went off on a tangent. You know, I really feel, I don't want to say I feel protected. I feel like what we're doing is the right thing. We mitigate all the risks that we can. I look at like a missile strike, a cruise missile strike. I kind of look at it as like lightning. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
you know, I hope that doesn't happen, but it could. But I also believe in what I'm doing. I believe in my faith. And so, you know, I've, I've been to church a couple times now in Ukraine and, you know, you know, bad things do happen sometimes, but I, like I said, I have faith and I just kind of go, you know, I kind of just set the other stuff aside and just kind of get the mission accomplished. It very much sounds like any nervousness you have about risking your life is mitigated by Mary and St. Michael's protection. And I love that story about seeing St. Michael on the side of a wall and it's so beautiful and then you can't find it after that. And it's funny because people like you and I, we tend to think, well, there must be a logical explanation. But so often it's, I mean, in stories from saints, the Lord allows us to see something and then it's not, it, you never know. Maybe it was never, yeah. it's hard to explain. Yeah. There's a reason you saw it, maybe even a reason it was so beautiful and it sticks yeah. out in your mind. It's just interesting how how God works. And I want to ask you, Lily, what was it like for you the first few times your dad left home and went to Ukraine? Scary. I was nervous. I missed him a lot, but I sort of felt the same thing that my dad felt, that we were doing the right thing and... No matter where they went, he always had some uh, protection from God, and that really made me feel a lot better. Wow. What a great family you have. Man, your stories are Catholic through and through. This is the perfect story for (laughs) Catholic Spirit Radio. And I want to ask you this as well. Well, let's see. Maybe I'll ask Lily one more question. Lily, as a young advocate for helping others, what message would you share with other kids your age, maybe older, maybe younger, who might want to make a difference in the world? I would like to say that if you of God's talent, of God's calling you to do something and it's the right thing, no matter where you are in the world, no matter how old or young you are, even just with one simple question, you can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Wisdom beyond your years. Beautifully put. <laughs> So, Chris, starting with just one ambulance, you now, if my research is correct, sent 67 emergency vehicles to Ukraine. Is that number correct? Yeah, it's 52 ambulances, eight fire engines, six SUVs, and one military surplus truck. But who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I ask any questions about how that feels or anything, what challenges did you face in making that happen? And really, how did you make that happen? Well, okay. And it's funny, we've been talking about this. Had I, had I, when I first started, I had no idea what I was doing. Absolutely no idea. I mean, I work, I work in, I work in politics. I work government relations. I've been, been around politics my whole life. You know, I thought the hard thing would be to get, to get an ambulance and to get supplies. I found a, AMT of Central Illinois. I went to them for the first ambulance. I explained what I wanted to do. I had no details. I had no specifics. I had nothing. I said, "Hey, I'd like to get this. I'd like to get an ambulance. If you've got one, get it donated and get it over to Ukraine." I mean, I'm not even a 501c3. I'm not a nonprofit. I got you know. I'm just like, but if I can get it, can can I get one? And and I said, I know this sounds crazy, and I'm expecting him to say, "No, maybe. Let me think about it. I'll talk to somebody else." All he said was, "What do you need? Gas or diesel?" So literally my first conversation, I already had the ambulance. And then OSF, I talked to OSF, they already said yes on the supplies. So I had an ambulance and supplies. So then I'm like, okay, I've got to get it over there. I thought with 
from a political perspective, what member of Congress, what U.S. senator wouldn't want to see an ambulance from their state or their district in front of a military cargo aircraft on its way to Ukraine? I thought, you know, the optics would be good. It's good for the district. It's good for the country. It's good for Ukraine. And I, you know, I, I figured there had to be available space on some C-5 or C-17 or some C-130 cargo aircraft, National Guard, Air Force, whatever, that was heading east to Poland. And while members of Congress are very supportive, very helpful, in fact, Congressman LaHood's office, staffer was one that actually got me connected with the El Paso ambulance. And Senator Durbin's office has been great every time I've gone over to make sure that they kind of have my back if anything goes wrong. But it turned out, no matter how how much people wanted to help, trying to work with the Department of Defense and, and others to try and make it happen was almost impossible, or it was impossible. So that quickly became a dead end. And luckily for me, I met up with and reached out and had been talking to the Ukrainian consulate, and they put me in contact with some people, a couple nonprofits, the Ukrainian Resistance Foundation and the Ukrainian Medical Association of North America. And they had also been collecting like physical supplies, bandages, gauze, you know, that kind of splints, that kind of stuff. And they had so much in the beginning that they wanted, that they had found a donor that actually gave them enough money to, to basically rent three aircraft or lease three flights on an aircraft. And so they had three 747 flights. So I got connected with them. I said, Hey, I've got an ambulance. They said, you have what? <laughs> I said, I've got an ambulance. We said, does it fit? And next thing you know, March 29th, 2022, <laughs> we're at Chicago O'Hare's airport and that AMT ambulance of central Illinois. I'm watching it loaded. It's got prayer cards on it. It's got miraculous medals in it. And it's been blessed by a priest from OSF and it's on its way. And yeah, it just worked out. It worked out great, but I, it was all dumb luck. The first one was all dumb luck. The, the second and third were a little bit better. The first, the first convoy, we switched to ships again, kind of like kind of rooting around in the dark, trying to figure things out. Now I'd say I've got the process down. Like right now I'm working on my 10th shipment. We're going to try and get another 11 vehicles over there. And I've got money coming in. I've got, I'm waiting to get some bids as to what the shipping is going to cost. I've got, when we get over to Poland, we'll have police escorts. Polish police will escort us from our staging location to the border. I've got contact with the Ukrainian military. They'll get me volunteers if I need them to get any vehicles over. Same thing with the state emergency services. All that stuff will, all that stuff now is very, understandable. And I've got great friends that I'm working with here in the United States, again, the Ukrainian consulate in Chicago and the uh, U- Ukrainian Resistance Foundation who handles a lot of the logistics stuff. So between the th- all three of us, if I find the vehicles, we're making everything happen. And now the process is pretty simple and straightforward. So name those two organizations from Ukraine one more time that are helping you. Are they are they government organizations? No, they're both. So I mean, obviously the consulate right out of Chicago that that's the Ukrainian consulate, but the uh, UA Resistance Foundation is a nonprofit. So basically, Ukrainian Americans that you know, again, when the war kicked off or the full scale invasion kicked off, they wanted to figure out a way to help. Came together, formed a five hundred one c three, and so that's how. If you're a private ambulance donor, or if you're somebody that wants to give me, you know. I've had people give us a couple hundred thousand dollars to help pay for shipments. If someone wants to do that, they don't give it to Chris. They give it to this nonprofit. There's all the, you know, all the documentation. There's a tax ID number. If you're a private entity and there's, if the vehicles have any value left, you can have the, like a deduction. You can have that 
through the IRS, if you're making a cash donation, or if all that stuff is done with all the I's dotted and T's crossed, and I, I'm not touching anything, all I'm doing is I'm the one finding the vehicles, finding, you know, finding the people that want to help, and then finding where they might go, and then making sure that things happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I've been, we've been lucky. You're, it's a mix of luck, intelligence, no yeah. doubt, incredible connections, and a whole lot of work, and unbelievable faith, it seems. And Absolutely. I want to ask you a little more about what, how you made it through times of difficulty, and what kept you motivated in your efforts when things undoubtedly became difficult. I want to ask you that in a little bit more in just one second, but first, here are a few words from our beloved sponsors. We'll be right back. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is John Hall, president of Catholic Spirit Radio. Do you enjoy our programming? Well, we need your support to keep the programming at Catholic Spirit Radio on the air. If you already give, thank you. We appreciate your help. If you haven't given, we need your help now. To donate, go online at catholicspiritradio.com. That's catholicspiritradio.com. Or mail your donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Or stop by 108 Boykins Place. God bless you, and thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. If you have some extra time, put those hours to use for the Lord. With Catholic Spirit Radio's growing radio network, we have three new behind-the-scenes volunteer positions. If you're interested, call the station. 309-807-2427. Volunteers are specifically needed for each of these roles. First, an energetic and experienced event manager is needed to coordinate our spring and fall on-air fundraisers. Give us a call if that's you. Second, Catholic Spirit Radio needs one to two hours every two or three weeks from a volunteer or a team of two for lightweight general cleaning at our normal location. Give us a call if you and a friend are interested. And third, we are in need of one to two spirit liaisons from each of these areas. Areas, Rockford, Harvard, Morris, DeKalb, Sycamore, Lincoln, Pontiac, and Clinton. These individuals will assist with informational tables at your local events. Give us a call if you can help out. Become part of our radio mission in 2024. Volunteer at Catholic Spirit Radio. 309-807-2427. Three Kings Gifts has sacramental and seasonal gifts, religious medals, rosaries, and more. On the College Avenue, Epiphany Church Campus, and Normal. Three Kings Gifts is open 10 to 3.30 on Thursday and Friday, 8 to 1 on Sunday. Profits help charitable organizations. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you're inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear Open Line. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Catholic Conversations. I'm speaking with Chris and Lily Manson. Chris is the Vice President of Government Relations at OSF Healthcare and the founder of U.S. Ambulances for Ukraine, and his daughter, 8-year-old Lily, is with us, too, in studio. Chris, I'd like to ask you, and Lily, if you'd care to interject here as well, in moments of doubt or difficulty, what has kept you motivated to continue your efforts? You know. 
there's been times when I've been in Ukraine and I've said, okay, I'm done. <laughs> you know, yeah. you get tired, you know, just, you know, things don't go right. Uh, initially, uh, you get stuck on a, and you're coming out, you get stuck on a 20 hour bus ride uh, out of Ukraine. You get stuck at the border for 15 hours, you know, but <clears throat> once the vehicles are delivered, I start getting pictures. And it's those pictures that really keep me going. You get people that, well, even when I'm back, so when you come back, maybe there's no ambulances immediately. Like, for example, my last trip was in August. So we're going to probably, we're going to go back in March. We're going to call it Operation St. Patrick. So we'll kind of keep the, the the Saints going. And, but it's been a little bit of a while, both collecting vehicles and also collecting the money for the shipments to, to get it. It's finally come together. But while you're kind of struggling with that, you're like, ah, geez, you know, maybe, maybe it's just it's run its course. But then a, a few things. One, you meet someone else new that is completely excited and wants to help. They've seen Lily. They've seen something that she's said or done. And they're like, ah, I can get you an ambulance or I can get you some money. And then you're like, okay, that, so that lifts your spirits. Or you get a message. I've, I've received messages from people, your ambulance yesterday transported or the past two days has transported 36 people. This ambulance was blown up, unfortunately, and the, the driver was injured. But before, before the ambulance was blown up, it operated for two and a half months. And every day it transported 20 people, 20 wounded people per day. So you just, and you'll get random things like that out of the blue or, Hey, thanks so much. We got this. Or, I mean, one, one, one military unit, we'd given them an ambulance and Lily likes, well, I'll take Lily to the warehouse where we store these vehicles in Chicago. And Lily likes to sign her name on it. She likes to put a heart on, on the ambulance and she puts a sunflower on it. Well, depending on where the ambulance is going or what's, what's happening with it, it'll either be, it could be camouflaged or they might just take off the reflective stuff. But a lot of times they're camouflaged up. So painted over. Well, I get an email or I get a message on WhatsApp and there's a video and, and I open it up. And it starts with, hey, Chris, thanks. And, you know, there's the, you know, there's the camouflage ambulance. And these guys are there with their, they're in their battle gear. They're in their, their AK-47s and their helmets and stuff. Like, hey, thanks, Chris Manson. Hey, thanks, people of America for helping. And then, and all of a sudden it's like, and by the way, and thanks to a special little girl who halfway around the world, you know, thought of us. And they said, you know, she wrote her name on this ambulance. And unfortunately we had to cover it because we had to camouflage this ambulance. But we've decided that this ambulance deserves to have her name on it. So they, they step away and there's Lily on the hood. There's Lily on the side of the ambulance. There's a heart. So there's this camouflage ambulance, but it's now called, it's now called Lily. And I just, so we got that, what, a few months ago or a couple months ago, I just got a message from the, those guys from that unit. And they basically said that the unit feels that that, that ambulance is blessed in that, Artillery doesn't hit that ambulance. Drones don't hit that ambulance. If you're hurt on the battlefield, when you know Lily is coming, you feel like you're going to be protected. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. that, that's the message that we got. So it's like, so how can you not all of a sudden say, okay, I got to find more ambulances or I got to find, you know, some SUVs. I got to get some more vehicles over there. Yeah. Right. How does that make you feel to hear that story, Lily? It makes me feel, I don't even know how to say it. It's just makes me feel really good. Right. And it's like, it makes me feel really happy to know that me and my dad are bringing people hope, even when they're injured in a country 
an ocean away, and it well, just makes me feel really nice. And we should say also, our you know, my wife or your yeah. mom. As, I mean, this is, I mean, someone's <clears throat> got to be home when I go. Someone's got to say, yeah, it's okay to go. Someone's got to put up with all the stuff that I, when I'm running around doing stuff yeah. to make sure that everything's still, you know, stable at home and everything. And yeah. so, uh, and to make sure that, you know, I, I, I feel bad when I go now because I know as Lily's gotten a little bit older, she's become more aware of what's at risk. In the beginning, she wasn't so much like, oh, dad's going to go to somewhere. And he comes home with some chocolates and some little stuff. A couple times into it, then the crying really, not the crying because I miss them, but now the crying because I worry. And so to have, you know, my wife, willing to say hey i've got this i've got your back go ahead we know it's the right thing to do i couldn't do it without her unbelievable yeah. strength from your wife absolutely and not only that you mentioned also you're you're homeschooling as yeah. well so right. she's doing so many different jobs yeah. while maintaining sanity yeah while yeah. her husband's going overseas to a war-torn country yeah my my hat goes off to you mrs manson that's that's really incredible I want to say also, or I want to ask rather, Lily, you've firsthand seen the power of kindness in this entire effort. You know that ambulances that you have signed have saved many lives. What lessons have you learned from this experience? Now, that might be a tough question, but do your best. Okay. I think the lessons that I've learned is that, well, a few actually, is that if you just give a little bit of kindness, it can really make a big impact. And just that you can always do something to help. There's never a time where it's like, oh, well, I guess I can't really do this, so I'm not gonna. Because you, you can always, you can always be kind. You and you can always bring hope to other people. So I feel like the lessons that I've learned is just how kindness can make an impact. Never underestimate the value and the power of a small act of kindness. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. That's right. Great, great lesson to take from this all. Now, Chris, what future plans do you have for U.S. ambulances for Ukraine? <laughs> what future plans? Well, the future, yeah, she, Lily's looking at me. I'm not supposed to be going over to Ukraine anymore, but um, <laughs> I think we've negotiated at least one or two. But no, I think right now what we've got, we've got 67 vehicles. I've got another 11. Um, I've got a couple wheelchair accessible vans. I've got seven ambulances, a couple SUVs. So that we'll get that shipment over there. That'll That'll happen. You know, when we first started this, I wanted to get one. And then sometime after that, right after that, someone said, hey, can you maybe get us 20? And I said, you guys are crazy. There's no way I'm going to get 20. And then I was in a meeting at one point in Ukraine, and they said, well, we uh, thanks for getting six of them or five of them, but we need, or six or seven of them, but we need 50. Like, oh, there's no way I'm going to get 50. So I don't know where it ends. I mean, I, I'm blessed to, to work for OSF and a very, you know, very generous employee, very generous employer, and that they let me, you know, spend some of my time, take the vacation, and you know, do some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, what a vacation! You know, yeah. but you know, but 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 you know, I mean, the, like again, they let me. You know, I, sometimes I'll I'll be making a few phone calls during the day. I mean, they're just very flexible. So that's I'm lucky there. So I, you know, as long as the need is there, and as long as people are willing, this is how I'd put it: as long as the need's there, and as long as people are willing to help out here in the United States, and I can be of some use, I'm happy to go ahead and, and help out. And so, 
it, you know, we'll get these vehicles over with this next mission. And after that, I'm, I'm already talking to some people about another batch of ambulances. And if anyone on, you know, anyone on the radio that's listening, if you have a fire engine um, or an ambulance, I need a few more fire engines. If, if you've got fire engines or ambulances, let me know. But I, I've got probably like another 10 vehicles already for a, an 11th shipment that's kind of in my head. So, you know, like I said, we'll just see what happens. And I'll listen to what what God says. I mean, if he says stop, I'll stop. If he says keep going, I guess I'll keep going. So uh, my next question was going to be, how can individuals or organizations get involved and support your cause? First of all, it's if you have a fire engine, if you have an ambulance, yep, should those, people email you? Yeah, they can. I mean, if you, I mean, I'm on Twitter or the, I'm not, but U.S. Ambulances for Ukraine is on Twitter at Ambulances U. It's just plural ambulances and the letter U. You could always go to uh, that UA Resistance Founder, or I'm sorry, yeah, UA Resistance Foundation. We I partner up with them, so they've got a link for the ambulances, and you can you can reach them there. I'm sure people can probably call call the station or to get a hold of me or something. And but it, yeah, if you've got a fire, you know, if you're a fire chief or someone, and you got a fire engine, um, reach out. If you're an ambulance provider, same thing, reach out. And then if you, and I, I, I don't ask this often if you, you know, if you want to contribute money, some people want to, sometimes I try to just try to focus on like bigger organizations to donate. Rotary International has donated money, Direct Relief, Rockefeller Foundation, some, you know, so talking to others, um, the American Hospital Association, OSF, for example, gave me two SUVs. So that was, that was really nice of them. But I, I don't really ask for cash from individuals, but if you, you know, if you're like, Hey, I've got, you know, $1,000 or $2 or, you know, $500 or $50,000 and you really want to help. Then again, reach out to that UA Resistance Foundation. They're a 501c3. You can go on their page and you can find a way to donate and you can say, I want it to go for the ambulances. And that just kind of goes into an account to help us pay for the shipping. The the whole, the way this works, the the secret sauce is we get the vehicles for free and then all we have to worry about is the shipping. And it Mm -hmm. costs me about Mm 9,000 bucks, give or take per vehicle. I mean, an ambulance is going to be less than 9,000 and SUV is going to be a lot, little bit less than 9,000. The fire engine is going to be a little bit more, but basically to get anything from anywhere in the United States, roughly into Ukraine is about nine grand. Mm-hmm. And so, what is the primary way you get it over there? Is it sea? Now, yeah, or? now it's all, mostly it's sea now. It's going to be, we'll put them on a, we'll, they'll go on what's called a roll-on, roll-off ship. They'll drive up, drive onto the ship, land, go across the Atlantic Ocean, arrive in Germany and then they'll be trucked to a staging location in Poland and then we fuel them up and we basically get a police escort to the border and drive them in. Fairly straightforward it seems. Absolutely. A costly, costly (laughs) endeavor to fuel whatever thing is going to carry all of those very heavy (laughs) machines overseas. It's a long way. Yeah. But you know, it's worked out. I mean, it's now it's pretty straightforward and like I said, we can you know, I can get, I can get you, I can get a fire engine or an ambulance anywhere in the United States. I can get over there for, for nine grand. Mm-hmm. So we can pretty much make, so that's, that is our secret sauce. I focus on getting the vehicles for free and we get, you know, try to find organizations that want to donate for the, uh, cover the cost. And then I guarantee a bunch of pictures and accountability and you get to see your vehicle in Ukraine. Well worth the cost of admission. Yeah. That's very interesting. Very, very meaningful Fairly straightforward stuff. Nine thousand per vehicle to get it over to Ukraine. That that gives you an idea of the scope and the, the financial needs that you have for this yeah. for this great cause. So anyone who's listening, please reach out. Ambulances you on Twitter, or you can donate any dollar amount to UA Resistance Foundation. Yeah. Not hard to find them. 
Oh, I also take prayers. I'll take. Oh, prayers. that's right. We'll take, we'll take, all, we'll take all the prayers. We'll take prayers. That, that okay. works. Absolutely. I, I think a lot have been coming your way, considering how well this has Absolutely. gone and how in good a shape you are, despite going to the war torn country yeah. so many times. Lily, looking back, what's your favorite memory from this entire experience? I think my favorite memory has to be when my dad comes home Aww. and just like. It's like when he opens the door and he's like, I'm home. And I'm like, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> there you oh, go. That's beautiful. Really beautiful. And we're talking about the numbers here, you know, and the 9,000 per vehicle. And it gives you an idea of the scope of the whole operation. But then you said also the one ambulance for two months was carrying 20 people each and every day. Yeah. That gives you an idea of the scope of the violence. I mean, the yeah. the terribleness of what's going on over there and the destruction it's i imagine that in one sense is jarring for you and you lily as well but also it's gotta feel like you're really doing a good thing if you're if one ambulance does that much and you thought it was going to stop at one ambulance and they say hey we need your help so much more we need 50 more maybe 100 more that's got to feel good does it not yeah no it i mean it does i've got it I got a letter from the commander of the Ukrainian kind of the logistics command. And these guys are responsible for making sure units have vehicles that they need for their, for whatever their, their mission is. And so basically I'm going to oversimplify, but basically there's a whiteboard somewhere that tells all these units to show that they don't have an ambulance. And on this whiteboard, as I talk to these guys, they write, Oh, Chris has got an ambulance for him. Chris, Chris, Chris. So, so, I mean, you know, that, that's kind of how they're sorting this out. So literally, you know, otherwise these guys are putting people in the, they're throwing people in the back of a pickup truck or, you know, they're trying to figure out other ways. And, you know, these ambulances are purpose built. They have this plumb for oxygen. They've, there's room to work, you know, for the paramedics to do stuff. There's, you know, things set up for the IV bags for the drip. I mean, it's just, it's just made to transport patients and, and multiple patients. So, you know, we know, we know the vehicles have had an impact, and you know honestly, if we say if if one life has been saved, you know it's been worth. I mean, it's been worth it because think about these vehicles that I'm getting. I'm getting. I, I'm not asking anyone for a new ambulance. I'm not asking for a new fire engine. These are vehicles that were going to be replaced. These are they've they've had their life here in the United States because they've either aged out, the technology has has just advanced, and it's cost too much to update that vehicle to put new stuff in. And so these vehicles are going to be thrown away. They're going to be left in a field to rot. In fact, I got one out of, of a field. I literally was in a field and got one out of a field. Yeah. You know, so they're just going to, they're not going to be used. And so this, I kind of, I always kind of joke, I exaggerate, but I'm like, this is their glorious second life. You know, this is, the, this, what a way to retire. Uh, you know, unfortunately, some have been destroyed in combat and crews have been killed. But for those ambulances, what a way to go out your last months, your year, doing nothing but running wounded people from roughly near the front lines to hospital or a higher level of care. As we wrap up, what's the one takeaway you want our listeners to remember from this entire story? I, I think it's, you know, I think Lily said it earlier. It's listen to that calling and don't, you know, don't be afraid to think, think outside of the box or embrace that crazy idea because you know, had I had I listened to conventional wisdom, had I listened to some of the naysayers, or if I just said, hey, you know what, I can just I'll write a check, or I'll give some money to somebody, 
then you know there wouldn't be you know six, there wouldn't be eight fire engines i mean there, there's a town in odessa odessa on the black sea there's a volunteer fire department that prior to us did not have a single fire engine now has two fire engines an ambulance and a chief's rig these deaths sometimes take a taxi to a medical call or a fire call mm. so and what this is while they're being droned or a missile attacks happening i mean you yeah. know i mean so now they've got now they've got modern fire equipment so had I, had we not listened to that calling those guys those guys you know one of those engines just ran four fires the other day mm-hmm. they wouldn't they wouldn't have been able to do that yeah. if today you hear his voice harden not your heart if you feel god's pulling you to do something yep. go ahead and have the courage to do it lily is there any takeaway that you you would like our listeners to have i think the takeaway is no matter what if god's calling you to do something do it that's right. And also, don't underestimate the power that a little kindness can do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm so proud of her for asking the question. I mean, without her asking me, you know, what can we do to help, would have never happened. I mean, I almost feel a little ashamed that I didn't think, oh, hey, you know, what else could be done? But, you know, to have a seven-year-old say, hey, this is wrong. What can we do to fix it or to try and help? I'm very proud of her for that. Chris, I am sure you're one proud, proud dad. Lily, I'm sure you're one proud, proud daughter. And Mrs. Manson at home, I'm sure you're proud of them both, and they sure are of you as well. Thank you, Chris and Lily, for being with us today and sharing your incredible journey. May your story inspire many to make a positive impact in the lives of others. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this Catholic conversation. Until next time, thank you for supporting Catholic Spirit Radio, and may God bless you with a wonderful week. Chris and Lily, again, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to Catholic Conversations. Download our podcasts at catholicspiritradio.com. 